Hello, fellow travelers, and welcome back to the Ancient Art Podcast. I'm the astrolabe to your Copernicus, Lucas Livingston. Over the last year, the blogosphere's been lit up with oracular prophecies of heavenly bodies, namely the supposed Comet of the Century, Comet Ison. Discovered on September 21st, 2012, Comet C-2012-S1, better known as Comet Ison, got its popular name after the place of its discovery, the International Scientific Optical Network, or Ison, in Russia. Calculations of its trajectory predicted early on that Ison was destined to be one of the most spectacular comets visible by Earthlings in a long while. Either that, or it'd be a colossal dud. Or something in between. Yeah, thanks for narrowing it down, astronomers. Ison received a whole heck of a lot of coverage leading up to the grand show. One interesting thing about Ison is that it had never before been witnessed by eyes from Earth. It's a new comet having never made the trip to the inner solar system. And this unprecedented journey for Ison proved tragically fatal on Thursday, November 28th, 2013, as millions of Americans were indulging in their Thanksgiving Day feasts, Comet Ison took its closest approach around the sun and blew up. So, as it turned out, those who predicted this would be the Comet of the Century, a dud or something in between, were spot on. If you want to learn more about the late Comet Ison from various astronomy blogs and podcasts, I've gathered a few references in the footnotes to the transcript for this episode at ancientartpodcast.org 60. While Ison was only making its first approach to the sun, humanity has been gazing at the stars and other celestial phenomena for ages. And comets are no strangers to past civilizations. In the classical world, we find comets being interpreted as both harbingers of disaster and portents of fortune. And they sometimes found their way into the arts. In Pliny the Elder's Natural History, we hear that a comet appeared for seven days shortly after the assassination of Julius Caesar. We know now that this was in July of 44 BC, four months after his death and coincidentally during his birth month. This apparition of convenient timing was interpreted by the Roman people as a sign that the emperor had ascended to heaven to be among the gods. The cult of Julius Caesar grew, and the temple of the divine Julius was built in 42 BC and dedicated in 29 BC by his successor Augustus Caesar. Coins minted in the years 19 and 18 BC during Augustus's reign depict the handsome young Augustus Caesar on one side, and on the other, a shining eight-pointed star with a distinct fiery comet's tail, complete with the inscription Divus Julius, or Divine Julius. If you want to learn more about Caesar's comet from the ancient authors themselves, click on the transcript for this episode at ancientartpodcast.org. Nearly a century earlier, the sighting of a comet in the birth year of Mithridates VI of Pontus and another comet in the year of his coronation were said to have been heavenly portents for telling his future greatness. This coin in the Art Institute of Chicago, minted during the king's reign in the year 86 or 85 BC, shows a youthful portrait of the king on one side and a curtsying image of the winged horse Pegasus on the other. And nestled behind Pegasus is a depiction of one of Mithridates' prophetic comets. 
There's a fascinating paper by John Ramsey in the 1999 Harvard Studies in Classical Philology, which explores the theory that Mithridates adopted the Pegasus as something of his personal emblem because it was within the constellation Pegasus where the prophetic birth comet had been observed. Hands down, the most famous comet to modern observers is Halley's Comet. Well, at least until that unknown one out there with our name on it touches down. Halley's Comet is so well known today because of its reliable predictability and frequent appearance, grazing past the Earth and Sun every 75 years or so. Its last appearance was in 1986, and it's slated to return in 2061. Its prior appearance in 1910 was highly celebrated in the arts and the media. Astronomers at the University of Chicago Yerkes Observatory had just discovered that the Earth would be passing through the comet's debris cloud of poisonous cyanogen gas, which issued something of an end-of-the-world doomsday hysteria among many. And of course, souvenir peddlers didn't fail to capitalize on this hysteria. Halley's Comet gets its name from Edmund Halley, who in 1705, using Newtonian physics, accurately predicted the comet seen in 1682 would return in 1758. That happened to be after his death, but when it returned as predicted, the comet was henceforth dubbed Halley's Comet. Using computer models, the predictability of Halley's Comet has allowed us to trace its appearances back through the Middle Ages into antiquity. While it wasn't necessarily thought to be the same comet each time, it was recorded and variously interpreted across time and place. Perhaps the most famous rendering in art comes to us from the Bayeux Tapestry in Bayeux, France. Stretching almost 230 feet long, this linen cloth embroidered in wool commemorates the Norman invasion of England, culminating in the Battle of Hastings in 1066. Here we see the comet soaring overhead as interested onlookers marvel at the ominous portent of disaster, or so the Anglo-Saxons would have thought. To William the Conqueror and the Norman invaders of England, things turned out quite well. Interestingly, the fiery body with its curious geometric tail is labeled in the Latin inscription as a star. Or it could be the first ever recorded sighting of a Corellian corvette from the planet Alderaan. I'm just saying. Comet Halley also makes a possible appearance as the Star of Bethlehem in Giotto's Adoration of the Magi from circa 1305. Just four years earlier, in 1301, Halley's comet soared across Giotto's Italian sky. We need to leave our comfort zone of classical antiquity to find the most meticulous of astronomical records. Babylonian and Chinese documents record appearances of Halley's Comet in 87 and 164 BC. Chinese records let us push back our earliest known sighting even further to 240 BC. To shake up the establishment, however, a July 2010 article in the Journal of Cosmology by Drs. Daniel Graham and Eric Heinz makes a strong case for an ancient Greek sighting of Halley's Comet in 466 BC. This shouldn't steal any thunder away from China, though. A fascinating discovery in Mawangdui, China in 1978 shows us just how meticulously ancient Chinese observers studied these celestial phenomena. 
The 4th century comet Atlas meticulously catalogs a myriad of different comet formations. To the untrained eye, these sketches may seem like imaginary fantasy, but the late great astronomer Carl Sagan, among others, confirmed the amazingly strong similarity between the ancient Chinese illustrations and modern comet photography. Curiously, if you look closely at the Chinese comet atlas, you'll note in this section that the first illustration on the left bears a striking resemblance to the swastika. The swastika will perhaps be forever damned in modern consciousness by its association with history's dark chapter of the Third Reich and the Nazi party, but we must try to step back and remind ourselves that it's an ancient and originally positive, auspicious symbol. It's also a global symbol, having appeared independently in visual culture across the world. To the Navajo of America, it's a sacred symbol of healing. In Japan, the swastika or manji is a symbol of longevity and was even adopted by the famous woodblock print artist Hokusai as part of his artist name. We find the swastika across the cultures of Eurasia, stretching back as far as prehistoric times in Neolithic rock art. A quick trip to the U.S. Holocaust Museum website tells us that the word swastika comes from the Sanskrit svastika, meaning good fortune or well-being. One wonders how populations across the globe with no perceivable contact would have been independently inspired to produce the same geometric design in their art. So often, visual inspiration for early peoples comes from the natural world, the earth and sea around us, plants and animals, and the sky above. The sun, the moon, planets and stars, and most distinctly, comets appearing spontaneously and briefly in the heavens and visible across the globe to most of the world's inhabitants. If a comet can appear as a swastika in the sky, as evidenced by the Chinese comet atlas, it's unsurprising that this peculiar phenomenon would be recorded by witnesses the world over. The swastika is certainly a curious shape for a comet, though. The idea is that we're looking at the comet more or less from behind, moving away from the Earth towards the sun. As comets are heated up by the sun, streams of vapor escape, which produce the signature comet tail. Comets can easily have more than one tail, as we see in the many different designs on the comet atlas. Imagine a four-tailed comet seen from behind with a little bit of a spin or rotation. Theoretically, this would give us a somewhat softened version of the swastika. And if you don't take my word for it, I encourage you to read the interesting article The Astronomical Origins of the Swastika Motif by Fernando Coimbra. You'll find a link to this article, more on the Chinese Comet Atlas, and other references for further study at ancientartpodcast.org. As we began with the contemporary, so do we conclude. To wrap up, another celestial body worthy of inclusion here, while not a comet, is the asteroid Apophis. Apophis caused something of a stir after its discovery in 2004 when initial calculations indicated a small chance that it could impact Earth in 2029. I'm compelled to imagine that its finders chose the dubious name Apophis, heralding its ignominious parallel to the Egyptian demon serpent of chaos and destruction. But no, apparently they're just Stargate fans. Refined calculations and observations eliminated the risk of impact in 2029. For a while, though, there remained a risk that when Apophis passed us in 2029, the gravitational nudge of the Earth would send it on a collision course with us in 2036. Rest assured, though, friendly listeners, that this probability is known now to be minimal. 
So next time you're out on a clear night, when you spy with your eye to the starlit sky, consider the legends and tales our ancestors shared gazing upon those same celestial objects, and ponder the myriad of inspirations our cosmic neighbors had upon our visual culture. Thanks for tuning in to the Ancient Art Podcast. If you dig the podcast, be sure to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ancientartpodcast and give us a nice five-star rating on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Lucas Livingston and can subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, iTunes, and Vimeo, where you'll hopefully give us a good rating and leave your comments. You can also email your questions and comments to me at info at ancientartpodcast.org or use the online form at feedback.ancientartpodcast.org. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time on the Ancient Art Podcast.